Hey, this is Brian Golden, lead pastor of Centerpoint Church, and I just want to welcome you to our podcast. I also really want to thank you for taking the time to listen. And I want to let you know that now you can watch these messages as well, anytime and anywhere. And the easiest way to do that is on the Centerpoint Church app. In addition to that, the Centerpoint app is also the easiest way to stay connected with what's happening at Centerpoint. So go to your favorite app store, search Centerpoint Church Florida, and you'll find it right there. Most importantly, I really want to say if you're a longtime follower of Jesus, or maybe you're just investigating who Jesus is, I really hope this message encourages you to take your next step in your journey of faith or in your journey of investigating faith. Thanks again for listening. How many of you are excited for uh, NFL football today? Seriously? Um, I, I'm super excited. I'm a massive uh, Bucks fan. And it, it's really, it's interesting with a lot of things. Thank you, three of you um, that are, we're, we're excited about this season, you can tell. Um, but I am excited. Like, every time I, I go into it, I'm like, well, this is going to be our year. I've been saying that for a decade. We haven't made the playoffs yet, but this is going to be our year. It, it's funny, like with different things, even things that are peripheral or not that big a deal, how easy it is to create um, dividing lines and categories. And this is going to sound crazy if you're not a sports fan, but we do that even with sports. Like we're playing New Orleans today. And, and, I, and this is just me being transparent. Is I start to not like the people in the city that we're playing. Like, that's how bad it is. Um, and I pray, and I'll just say this too, I pray for my team. I, I pray, and this is terrible for me to admit as a pastor, I pray more during Bucks games than I think I pray any other time. I'm just telling you, I do. Um, and I've done that since I was a kid. I'm praying multiple times during the game, and I'm praying that God would be on our side, and he knows what goes on in New Orleans during Mardi Gras, and so the Bucks should win this game today. <laughs> Um, well, we create dividing lines on all kind of crazy stuff. Um, even like if you're a new mom, um, that's nuts. You have all these categories and things that you got to do, and there's a whole lot of pressure. And um, it, we create categories and just in terms of uh, things that we like. You got the homeopathic group. You got the oil people. And um, that's, that's apparently a big deal because that will... Um, give sight to the blind and raise the dead, I've heard. It'll grow limbs back. It's amazing. Um, so you got that whole thing. And, and like, we just, we just categorize all kinds of stuff. Like, we just put my uh, daughter um, in school for the first time. We homeschooled her the first year, and then we put her in kindergarten. She's absolutely loving it. Went to her first. I didn't even know they did these, but her first uh, kindergarten dance on Thursday. Um, and we were talking to somebody about the fact that we were putting her in kindergarten. They're like, oh, well, you know, uh, I'm not judging, not judging you, you know, because they're like homeschoolers. And I'm like, is that even a thing? Like, we're, we're not giving her drugs. We're putting her in school. Like, why would you, why would you judge me? But we do that um, with everything. So we create a dividing line and categories uh, with more serious stuff whether it's policies, whether it's politics, um, whether it's groups and categories of people. It's just this insidious thing, and we're drawn to our tribes and drawn, drawn to our kind of area of comfort and our comfortable people, and um, it's just what we do. And one of the things I think that you can't deny is that we're, um, as a culture and as a society, we're more divided than ever before. And what's really interesting as we talk about Jesus, talk about the life of Jesus, is Jesus walked in um, to a culture. It, you think we're divided. 
Um, he walked into a culture that was more divided than you can even imagine. It was divided politically. Um, during that time, Rome was oppressing the Jews, and there was all kinds of crazy implications to that. It was divided religiously. There was all kinds of sects and factions. And here's what's interesting. It was a caste system. And so even among the gods, like the Greek gods, there was like a class system. Like if you were lower income, you got a JV level God. If you, I'm serious. If you were higher income, more wealthy, um, or more aristocratic, you got like Zeus or Jupiter. They could actually do something with your, pro, your crops, but everybody else like, you know, sorry, too bad. I mean, everything was divided and into that culture, Jesus walks, and, and just like we do today, I think this is one of the massive filters that we put on, is, is everybody who initially began to follow Jesus all thought that Jesus had shown up to, to just join their side, join their political movement, get involved in their Take Back Israel campaign, and usher in the, the policies and the values that they had lost over time to the Romans. And so everybody is waiting um, for Jesus to rightfully join their side and usher in what they are most passionate about. And what was so confusing about Jesus and so uh, honestly schizophrenic about Jesus, like it was hard to nail down, it was hard to categorize, is that Jesus never took a side. Like it, it, was, it was really um, confusing. He would go to uh, an area in Samaria, and I won't give you the whole backstory, but the Samaritans where there was racial tension, they were hated by Jewish people. And one time Jesus was with his guys and his guys were like, hey, do you, because they had kind of dissed Jesus, this Samaritan village. So his guys literally, you can look up the verse, are like, hey, do you want us to rain down fire from heaven or, or could you do that on these people? Could you just rain down fire from heaven? Thinking that Jesus is gonna be pleased by that. Like, okay, yeah. You get it. And Jesus is like, no, I don't want to rain down fire on these people. And then he proceeds to go in one time and, and talk to a Samaritan woman who's been married five times by a well. And it, it is shocking to everybody in their culture. I, I can't even give you the weight of that conversation. And then there's another time where he begins to tell this racially charged story about this Samaritan, and he did what nobody in their rightful mind would do, especially a Jewish person, and he makes a Samaritan the hero of this story. And so now these, these Samaritans who they would refer to as half-breeds, that's how bad it was, these Samaritans who were hated would go down in history, and most of the time when you hear the word Samaritan, it's attached to good because of Jesus. Jesus constantly was tearing down walls and constantly moving outside of what they thought. And so the big question among followers in the first century with Jesus was, what side are you on? Like, Jesus, you got to pick a side because we can't figure you out. Nothing you do makes sense. And so I, I think it's why there was so much weight behind Jesus' words that we now take for granted. And um, we've been so exposed to them that we kind of become... Um, just inoculated when Jesus is in an upper room before he's uh, gonna be betrayed and crucified. And he says these words that you all know. By this, the world's gonna know who you are. And, and the by this is, I'm gonna give you a new command. And the new command is, I, I want you to love one another. And all his guys are like, oh yeah, yeah, we got that. Jesus, we can do that. And Jesus is like, shh, no, I'm not done. Shut up. I, there, there's more to it. As I have loved you, implication is, as I have loved you and as you have watched me love other people 
around you. Hey, like Matthew, remember the day where I came up on you and like you're a tax collector, so the equivalent of you're trying to hide the bong as I was coming up to the tax collector's booth. Like you are worst of the worst. You're marginalized in society. Like you shouldn't be hanging out with son of God if son of God's showing up. And remember when I came up to you and I just invited you to follow? Matthew, I want you to love people like that. Hey, Nathaniel, remember that day where, where I came up on you and you started dissing my whole hometown? Like, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And, and remember, I just said, hey, take Philip's invitation. Just come and see. Just come hang out with Jesus. Philip, I want you, Nathaniel, I want you to love people like that. John, remember when you were so uncomfortable that I would even invite Matthew to join us and there was a lot of tension and why is this guy hanging out with us and why are these other political zealots hanging out with us, but you went along with it anyway. I want you to continue to love like that. And then he says this, and we all know the words, that by this, by how you love, by how you love not just the people in your homogenous group, but how you love people who are nothing like you, Everybody's gonna know that you are my followers and my disciples if you love one another. And Jesus is like, listen, I'm I'm just telling you, by this, by this, the world's gonna know. By this, the world is gonna change. And then one time Jesus is sitting with his guys and he gives another talk and he starts to talk about the kingdom and they're like, yes, this is what we've been waiting for, the kingdom. Let's start the movement. Let's get this thing going. Let's overthrow Rome. And Jesus starts to talk about the kingdom to go, hey, blessed are the peacemakers because they're gonna rule the world. And blessed are the people who are merciful because they're gonna receive mercy. And blessed are the the, the people who are pure in heart because I'm telling you, they're gonna have clarity to see the real God, the real Jesus. And everybody's listening to Jesus going, Jesus, that is not gonna work. That is not how you start a movement. That is not how you start a kingdom. Peace and, you know, giving of yourself and merciful. Like those are not, like, do you know Rome? Have you met Nero? Do you know what's happening in our neck of the woods? Like none of that makes any sense. And Jesus is like, shh, again, shut up. I don't think he said that, but he probably wanted to. Like by this, by this, the world is gonna know. By this, the world it's gonna change. And 2,000 years later, we're, we're more divided than ever before. We're divided along politics and political lines. We're, we're divided along policies and all those are great discussions and it's complicated, but we're divided among race. We're divided among gender. We're divided um, in churches like never before. There's, there's thousands who would name the name of Jesus and there's thousands of different denominations. Like the church, the church isn't better. And if you step outside of your bubble, because maybe this hasn't been your experience because maybe you're in a little insulary group, but with all the studies that I looked at, here is the prevailing outsider, if I can use that term, thought of how Christians are viewed. And it's basically this homophobic, judgmental, segmented, right-winged, racist hypocrites. In fact, one of the recent studies is that only um, 16% of what they described outsiders have a favorable view of Christianity. And we're not trying to win um, any kind of you know, popularity contest, but as you begin to look at Jesus in the first century and look at this, I don't know how you cannot come to the conclusion that something is wrong with us. 
And the church should lead the way. And I'm telling you, when Jesus showed up, Jesus' primary message was this, is that I did not come to set up a kingdom with walls. I came to introduce a subversive kingdom that is going to tear down and it's going to destroy walls because I have a message for the world. And I'm gonna create this little organism called the church that's gonna spread out. And their primary mission, in the words of Paul, is gonna follow the example of Jesus to be reconcilers in culture, to tear down walls in culture, to make sure that the world knows everybody is invited in. And this does not portray that sentiment. But Jesus says, that's, that's what I'm all about. And so here's what I, I don't ever give you the title of my message. It just shows up on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen to it. Um, but I wanted to give you my title up front. But my title of my message is, this, is just this, Jesus um, if we can go to the next slide, Jesus, your gay neighbor, immigrants, and Caitlyn Jenner. And then I was going to throw Colin Kaepernick in there too, but it was too long a title. There, there it is. There it is. Hey, here's the thing. Let me go to the previous slide. This is one of my favorite quotes um, from a movie called Hannah and Her Sisters where he said this, if, if Jesus came back and saw what was going on in, in his name, he'd never stop. I guess they needed to edit this out. Um, he'd never stop throwing up. So I think the filtered version of Jesus is a Jesus who showed up on planet earth. And this is kind of where we all tend to go to is that he showed up to just take our side. So whatever your political view is, Whatever your view of culture, whatever the values are that you hold on to, whatever your way of life is that you think is so important and it is important, that Jesus showed up primarily in a lot of our minds to just take our side to do that. And so all of a sudden, we start to create categories and groups of people and sides in culture that says, this is what I'm for, this is what Jesus is for, which automatically puts you on the other side. And so all of a sudden, rather than a movement movement that says to every type of person imaginable, race, politics, sexual orientation, background, where you grew up, how much money you have, GEDs and PhDs, rather than a message that says, we are for you, we end up categorizing ourselves in little groups and go, we are for you as long as you get on board with what we're trying to do in culture. And Jesus says, listen, those things are important. That is not your primary message. That is not your primary fight. I want you to take to the world, you are loved by God and everything else is secondary to that. This is a message for the world. I was with a friend of mine recently, I got to know we were um, going to a game and on the way to the game, um, we had known each other for a couple months and um, I didn't talk to him about faith or I was just being his friend. And on the way there, because he knows I'm a pastor, I try to hide that as long as I can, um, not because I'm embarrassed of it, but because people immediately get weird around me. And so I want to prove um, that I'm somewhat normal before I drop that information. So we're on the way to the game, and he knew this, so he just started opening up, and I, I, didn't, um, I didn't prompt this at all, and, and he started to share his experience growing up um, in the West, and, and his mom, who went through a really painful divorce, and articulated just the hurt and the pain that they walked through and the fact that she really was shunned and told to, to leave the church. 
And um, this was probably a decade before. So he, he just was done with the church. He was done with the Jesus thing altogether and um, had just walked away. And I just remember being in the car and there's like, there's really a not a whole lot you can say, right? And I, I just turned to him. I wasn't driving. I just said, dude, I, I really, I have nothing to say to you. I, like, I can't defend it. I, there's nothing I can say to, to make it better, but I just want to tell you, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, I don't represent all Christianity, but like, I'm sorry. And what I'd say to some of you listening online, thousands who are podcasting or listening on radio or, or in the room and and, and maybe um, you've experienced some things that have placed you into a category and, and made you feel like you were pushed out or made you feel like you had to get your junk together or kind of join a side in order to be in with Jesus. I just want to say to you sincerely, I'm sorry. And if Jesus were to show up today, if Jesus were to show up in this room, I think things would be really different because by this, by this one thing, by how you love people, not just in your little group or down your row right now, that's fairly easy. By this, how you love people who are nothing like you, the world is gonna change. People are gonna know that you are my followers. And so my question is just this, how do we get back to that? How do we become known as reconcilers in culture? How do we be known as people look at us and the primary attribute is, dang it, I don't believe what they believe. I don't understand their theology. A lot of it's weird. Have you ever read Revelation? But I'm telling you, the way those people love, the way those people tear down walls, the way those people move across categories and dividing lines that the rest of culture is hung up on, I'm telling you, I wanna know more about those people. I'm just telling you, church, by this, you should pursue, you should engage, you should get involved in a lot of things. But there is nothing like that, this, that has the power to change everything in your families, in your culture, in neighborhoods, in cities. And I'm telling you, on the weight of what happened in the first century to change the world, how, how do we get back to that? So one day is one of my favorite stories. Um, Jesus enters Jericho. And I just want to give you five things real quick. Five things that I, I think that we need to do. And, and for some of you, this is going to make you uncomfortable. And I, that's fine. In fact, I think if it makes you uncomfortable, you're gonna to start to share in the emotion that Jesus' followers felt when this incident happened that we so sanitize and so filter out and we create our, our little cuddly version of Jesus. But um, here's what went down. Jesus entered Jericho and he was passing through and there was a, ma a man there by the name of, what's his name? All right, let me hear you, church, because I wanna know you're with me. Zacchaeus. And he was, um, I, I'm not going to sing, but I so want to sing right now. He was a, a wee little man. <laughs> Apparently that was written by an Irishman um, at some point along the way. And he was a, a chief tax collector, and he was incredibly wealthy. Now, you, you probably know this already, but I just always want to give the backstory. He, he's basically, in the minds of culture, he's a thug. So he, he is, he's a Jewish guy that has decided to sign on and work for Rome. Now, again, Rome is oppressing the Jewish people. Rome is threatening and overriding everything that they hold to. And so to be a Jewish man living in your neighborhood and decide that you're going to work for Rome, it is the ultimate form of being a sellout. And so Zacchaeus decides, I'm going to be a part of this pyramid scheme, tax collecting machine that is Rome, which meant he had to pledge allegiance to Rome. 
He would take high commissions. He had to make sure that Rome got their cut, but then generally they could skim off the top. And so that's why Zacchaeus is wealthy. They're getting taxed, these Jewish people, an exorbitant amount of money. They know Zacchaeus is pocketing a lot of it. So every time Zacchaeus is riding through town in his Aston Martin with his $5,000 suit, like they're giving him the universal, your number one sign because he is absolutely hated, absolutely hated. And here's the thing, Zacchaeus is basically part of the group where you, we make statements like this. If God could ever save them, it'd take a freaking miracle. Can I just say this? How many of you know that for God to save you, it took a freaking miracle? How many of you know, because we misunderstand sin and we misunderstand the human heart and we judge it based on behavior, which really um, in a lot of cases depends on where you grew up, depends on who you grew up with, depends on the area of the country, the area of the world, what happened in your home. There are so many factors, but we look at behavior. Jesus looks at the heart and the scripture says this, that every single individual was born into the world. This is kind of offensive, spiritually dead and needed to be brought back to life. There's no like sliding scale of dead. Dead is dead. Everybody's dead. Your behavior and outflow from being dead may look different, but you're still just dead and you need to be brought back to life. So whether you're Zacchaeus or you're the Sunday school kid, you are still dead and you needed Jesus to be brought back to life. It takes a freaking miracle for everybody. And so there Zacchaeus is, and he's the guy that's hated in culture. And today in conservative churches, here's what Zacchaeus is. Zacchaeus is the agnostic Zacchaeus is the very antagonistic atheist. Zacchaeus is part of the LGBTQ community. Um, Zacchaeus is the abortion advocate. Zacchaeus is the wealthy businessman who hates what you believe in. Zacchaeus is the idiot three cubicles down who is constantly ribbing you over the church thing. Zacchaeus is the, I mean, just the extreme out there, thug, pimp, prostitute. I mean, however you think about it, that's what Zacchaeus is. And in verse three, it says, he wanted to, what? No, come on, I need your help to preach this message, right? He could not, what? See Jesus. Which I I love that. I mean, part of it is because he is a, a wee little man that's why I couldn't see. I so relate to Zacchaeus. Um, my brother-in-law, who's a jerk, used to, he would just call me Zacchaeus um, every once in a while. Um, but, but he wants to see Jesus. Like, like what I love about this is that here's this man, and, and don't be confused, Zacchaeus is antagonistic. Zacchaeus threatens everything that the Jewish people hold to. And there, there, there's Zacchaeus, and there is something about Jesus that gets him to lean in. Because here's the reality, and here's what we have got to get back to and see. Everybody is looking for hope. Everybody is looking for hope. And it doesn't matter how great things look on the outside. Maybe you have accomplished it all, but you've gotten to the end of several of those pursuits. You actually ran them down, but you still feel empty. 
It's, uh, you know, I tried it, but it failed. It is at some point the questions rising to the front of your mind of, okay, why am I here? What, what is the purpose? But there Zacchaeus is in the eyes of everybody else. He has it all. He is wealthy. He is the man. He's probably been marginalized when he's a kid, but now everybody is looking at me and everybody is paying attention to me when I'm riding through town, but he knows he needs something. And I just want to say this to us as a church. We need to be the kind of people that look at a guy like Zacchaeus and we are giving them a reason to lean in and a reason to look toward us and look toward our Jesus for hope. It should not be a, in spite of you, I'm going to go try to see Jesus. It should be a, because of you, I want to know more about Jesus, even though I'm nothing like you. And so he wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore tree. I'm fighting this hard. <laughs> to see him. Because the Lord, he wanted to see. Since Jesus <laughs> was coming that way. But here's the bigger issue. It's not just that Zacchaeus is short. And I love this. Zacchaeus is an entrepreneur. He knows how to get things done. So he's like, I'm going to find a tree. I'm going to get box seating. And I'm going to see this whole thing happen. Because that's what I do. I make things happen. But he's at a distance, not just because he's short, because that's what the religious system had created. He doesn't want to get too close because of the Pharisees and Jesus followers, and they don't want to get too close to him. But Zacchaeus wants to investigate, and nobody trusts each other. And so Zacchaeus is relegated to get to the very back of the crowd, to get as far away as he can, and yet still get a glimpse of Jesus. And so when Jesus reached the spot, man, we lose how crazy this was. He looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, Come down immediately. Thousands of people in this crowd. And Jesus is basically saying to Zacchaeus and saying to us, nobody is too far gone. And something new is on the scene. If you think that Jesus in the New Testament did anything by accident or that it was just happenstance that it ended up in the New Testament, there was a little bit of room to be able to clarify and to articulate the stories that meant the most. Jesus is doing this for a reason. In a crowd of thousands, he spots Zacchaeus. He knows Zacchaeus is gonna be there. And so it is a very amplified point. Hey, Zacchaeus, what you've experienced from the religious system, what you've probably experienced from my God, undoubtedly what you've experienced from the Pharisees, I'm about to bring something brand new. All of the walls are about to fall. All of the curtains are about to be torn down. I am offering a message to the world and everybody's dead and just needs brought back to life. So if you have any illusion that the Pharisees are better, no, 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 they're just another form of dead. So Zacchaeus, come down immediately because the walls are about to come down and I'm offering something that is for you too. Thank you. Can I just preach to you? Where are you at? <laughs> we need some charismatic people in this place. Verse, verse five. Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. And you know this, right? A meal in the first century is the most intimate thing you can do. 
and Jesus, because Jesus was disruptive, Jesus was not trying to warm anybody's hearts, Jesus was trying to shatter their categories. He says to the equivalent, I'm gonna make you all nervous, but to the guy in the the middle of the pro-choice rally, the individual in the middle of the gay rights rally, the people coming out of Mons Venus and he's there in the parking lot going, do you wanna go? Can we hang out at your house? Like this is the equivalent as, as Jesus says to Zacchaeus, are you kidding me? Do you know who Zacchaeus is? Do you know what Zacchaeus has done? Do you know how Zacchaeus is threatening our way of life? And Jesus is like, yeah, I know all of that. Zacchaeus, let's go and let's hang out at your house. And, and here's what's so incredible. Jesus was always finding common ground, whether it was, hey, we're gonna go fishing. I've never done that before, but I'm son of God. So it's gonna go really, really well. I grew up as a carpenter. Um, or whether it was, hey, I'm gonna tell a story. I'm gonna get everybody on the same page because I am the master storyteller, or I'm just going to go to your house because I know how to party and we're going to have a good time and we're going to be there. We're going to drink good wine. We're going to eat some food and and you're going to like being around me. But Jesus always found a way to have common ground. Here's the first thing real quick. We got to find common ground with people. Can I just say this? I don't know if I can articulate this clearly because I I talked to my wife about this. She had no idea what I was saying. So I'm hoping um, this is going to go better than when I um, talked to her about it. But in a lot of cases in the church, and I hope it's okay, I just want to talk to you today. I don't even know if this is a message, but hopefully it'll end up being one. Um, we're disengaging from culture. Like, here's one of the things that happens a lot is that certain music and certain art and certain entertainment and certain forms of creativity and, and comedy, we distance ourselves from it simply because someone has a different sexual orientation or a different political view. And, and so literally we will disengage from art and creativity and entertainment because of, of some view or disagreement with a person. And what we end up doing is doing what C.S. Lewis talked about is we create a, secre- a sacred and a secular divide. And I'll talk about it in a few minutes, but it, it moves all the way back to the first century is where we got this. But I don't know how many of you know, there is no sacred and secular divide. If I could rip Christian music off of every label, I would do it. If I could rip Christian whatever off of it, I, I would do it. Because how many of you know that you can find God of all creation in just about anything, that any art and any entertainment and any creativity and any great reading or books that you see where there is truth that literally came from God because he is the God of all creation. He is the God of all truth. And you need to guard your soul. You need to guard, yeah, you clap right now. You need to guard your soul. You need to guard your heart. I don't know what you can handle. That's why you need to not be looking at other people to your right and left judging what they're doing because you don't know how they're wired. You don't know what's all right and good for their soul. But I'm telling you, you would be shocked at the things that I can look at and find truth among people I don't agree with at all. And I know that actually originated with my creator, God, and it moves me to love Jesus more. And I know some of you have never heard this before and it makes you a little nervous, but you need, to, you need to learn and it is a learned thing to be able to process and engage culture and see God in just about anything. I'm not asking you to move into an environment that's not gonna be good for you, move into something, watch something, read something that's not gonna be good for your soul. I'm just telling you, don't disengage from culture. We serve a God of truth, a God of creativity, and we are missing out on common ground and we are missing out on some things that God wants 
wants to show us and some ways that he wants to reveal himself to us because we have disengaged out of a misunderstanding of in but not of the world. Not of the world means I have a different mindset in terms of this kingdom that's being brought in. I am operating from the love of Jesus that has been placed in my heart. And now I'm going into culture with that understanding and that perspective. And I see Jesus everywhere. So we, we've got to find common ground. I remember not long ago, my wife and I, and if you start to do this, you're going to end up in crazy places. And we ended up in an art um, gallery thing show. It shows you how plugged in I am um, to that scene. And there was all kind of crazy stuff where I had to kind of bounce my eyes like, oh, that's art, I guess. Um, but I need to not look at that. And, and, and there were people, nothing, nothing like us there. I don't know if we, I don't know if we had anything in common with anybody. And I remember this for a split second. I'm like, this is the, this is the kind, I'm like a little bit uncomfortable. But I'm telling you, in many cases, as you begin to grow in a relationship with Jesus and take the filters off, you're going to find yourself in houses where for a moment you feel like, I, I don't belong here, but that's exactly where you belong. See, one of the things that we have got to start to be able to do is to see the image of God in people who are not in our image. And the thing is, you, you know this, right? that every single individual that you are eyeball to eyeball with, the Imago Dei, they are made in the image of God. And if son of God can find common ground with people, we should be able to find common ground with people. Son of God was the personification of holiness and righteousness. I mean, he is perfect God in a body. And if he can move toward dysfunctional us and find common ground, we can find common ground with anybody who's made in the image of God. And then, you guys still with me? Verse six, he, Zacchaeus, came down at once and welcomed him Gladly, which I, I love that. Like Jesus, this personification of holiness is like Zacchaeus. I, I like I, I want to hang out, and Zacchaeus is Jesus is like I want to hang out. And Zacchaeus is like yes, like gladly. I there is something about you I want to go hang out. We don't agree with anything. You probably know that I've ripped off all of um, all these Jewish people. You probably know how I paid for this car, but I'm t there is something about you that I want to go hang. Have you ever met somebody who almost just seems too perfect? We're like, I don't really want to hang out with you. You seem too like, eh, whatever. Well, I don't know what the word is for you, but you just seem too much of that. And yet there was something about Jesus where people who were most unlike him, he drew them in, like they wanted to be around him. And we've talked about this before, the sexual outcast, the political outcast, the religious, the social outcast, even the, the political guy like Nicodemus coming in the middle of the night to go, Jesus, I just wanna know more. There was something about Jesus that drew people in. And in fact, one time the Pharisees said this, and it was a derogatory comment toward Jesus. Hey, Jesus, you are a friend of sinners. And Jesus is like, no, that's exactly what I am. I'm a friend of sinners. So I, I gotta move quick, but here's the other thing. We have we've gotta stop trying to fix people and just be a friend to people. We've gotta stop trying to fix. Here's the thing. We need, I think, to get more, more focused on Jesus. I want you to change me and I want you to change my heart before I start going and trying to change a bunch of other people or change culture. Because I'm convinced if God would really do the change that he wants to do in all of us, our neighborhoods would begin to change. 
And so Jesus moved into any conversation and, and he didn't try to fix people. He was just a, a friend to people. Okay, I just need to say this and move on because I heard somebody say this recently. Follower of Jesus and they're like, yeah, this is, um, this, they named this person. They're like, that, that's my project. And I, I, I wanted to hit him. And if I wasn't the size of Zacchaeus, I would have, or I would have slapped and run. <laughs> Nobody's a project. Nobody is even a convert. They are somebody who is made in the image of God. And, and listen, I love Jesus. Jesus has changed my life. And I have friends that I want them to get to know and to love Jesus. But I can go and be a friend with them and hang out with them and have a drink with them and watch a game with them. And, and I'm, not, I'm not breaking out some three-step thing to, to tell them a script of how I just want to love them. I just want to be a friend to them. And we've got to get back to a place where we see every individual, not just the individual individuals in your PTA, the individuals on opposite sides of political parties and races and see them as made in the image of God and have a desire because of the love of Jesus to just be their friend. And I don't need to fix you. Jesus can do whatever he needs to do in you, but I want you to know that you are loved by me. And Jesus was a friend of a sinner to me. So I'm going to be a friend of a sinner to you because we actually are in the same place. We were dead and we just need brought back to life. Like we just need to get comfortable with the fact if Jesus were to show up today, he would go toward the people you despise and he'd be in their living room and they'd be laughing and telling jokes and he'd be a friend to them. And some of you, if you feel like Zacchaeus, I just want you to know if Jesus were to show up today, Jesus would wanna come and hang out with you and you'd wanna hang out with him. And I don't know if we represent that a lot and I'm wondering how we get it back. I'm wondering how people that are nothing like us that gladly they'd want to hang out. Well, yeah, I'd love to go to your house. And I'm not going to expect you to walk in to go, you watching that? Are we really going to drink that? Is that what you listen to? No, they're just going to come in and they're just going to be a friend. I think the other thing is we need to, we need to stop talking and we need to listen a little bit more. I, I think that I love Jesus where Zacchaeus, I'm just, I'm just gonna go to your house and, and I'm gonna listen. Matthew, Matthew, I'm going to your house. I'm not even, I'm just inviting myself. I'm going to your house and I just wanna listen to you. Woman at the well, Jesus just, he talked, but Jesus just listened. Jesus one time, I don't have time to tell the story, he was going over to Decapolis. And this is when, remember when the disciples, maybe you know the story, they, they get in the boat and the, the waves and the winds start going crazy. Well, right before that, everybody always misses this. Jesus says, we're gonna go to the other side. And what nobody knows is a culture that was so shocking. This is just casual. We're going to go to the other side. The other side was Decapolis, which they believe was the epicenter of where Satan resided. Talk about people who are nothing like us. Jesus like, we're going to go over there. And Jesus went over and he healed a demon-possessed man. It was the only time in any of the New Testament where they asked Jesus to leave because Jesus wasn't from there and they were scared of him. Jesus was always going over to the other side and he just listened. And come on, we, unlike Jesus, we've got a lot to learn. Like we have not arrived. And how many do you know that people are more attracted by your weaknesses and by the fact that you can just admit, I am on a journey and I have not arrived, than they are attracted by any of your strengths. And if Jesus, son of God, who had all truth residing in him could listen to people, why can't we listen to people who are nothing like us that we don't agree with? Let me just say this real quick. 
so you may never come back. I've enjoyed the time that you've been at Centerpoint and it's, it's been good. Here's the danger. Here's the danger of believing that we have the final authority in terms of absolute truth. And by the way, it's kind of offensive. I believe that that's true. I believe that when Jesus said, I'm the way and I'm the truth and I'm the life, I think, it, I think he meant it and I think he is that. But here's the thing. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. You are not the way. You are not the truth. And you are not the life. And are, are there, there's things I would give my, my life for. I believe that in history, Jesus died on a cross and he walked out of a grave alive. And I, would, I think I would give my life for that. But you know what? There's a bunch of other stuff. The more I, I, I hopefully I'm growing, I'm like, eh, I don't know. I mean, there's some, there, there's some stuff that I, I'll give my life, but there's a lot of other stuff where I just realized what James said really needs to be something that gets into my heart is that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And we need to walk into rooms, church, just hear me for a second. And we need to stop operating on a teacher to student kind of ratio. We need to stop moving in with condescension because we have the truth. No, no, we have Jesus. And I want to represent Jesus in the love of Jesus. And I want to point you to Jesus. But I'm coming in, letting you know that I am on a journey and I believe Jesus has saved me. And what he did in history is legit, but I don't have all of the answers and I am not better than you. And there is something that I can learn from you. There is something that I need to hear. There is something that I need to sit down and have a conversation with. And if we would do that with people on the other side, you would be shocked at what it would do in terms of race relations, in terms of a divided church, what is happening politically, but nobody is listening to anybody. And as Jesus followers, we should be the most confident people on the planet, not arrogant, but confident. I believe Jesus is truth. I believe Jesus is the way. I have the spirit of God inside of me? Why can I not listen to you? Why can I not shut up and hear you? Because I know if I do, Jesus is going to use that. And he came to tear down every wall. And so I want to be a part of tearing down every wall. I, I hear things sometimes where we categorize a person, a a group in terms of sexual orientation or, or politics. And, and some of you know, right, if you have friends in those categories, it makes you angry. And, and we might agree on some of that stuff, but I, I hear some of those things and I think, you know, that is so easy for you to post that and to say that and to use that language when you haven't cried with somebody and you haven't sat down and, and heard somebody struggle, and you haven't been in a living room and listened to what they're walking through, where they grew up, what they're coming from. In some cases, the fact that they, they weren't given any of the things that I was given, and they're having to climb up into trees because we're not making it easy for them to come close, to go, I just want to introduce you to Jesus or to sit with my gay friend in my living room.
and to hear his struggle with the church and with Jesus followers and just saying, what the heck happened to us? We're reconcilers. And so there <clears throat> Jesus is, and all the people saw this, and they began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. We got to prioritize compassion over reputation. If you begin to allow compassion to lead the way, you will be misunderstood and it will hurt your reputation. And Jesus loved the world so much that he gave. What are we willing to give? I'm just, just let compassion lead the way. And here's what's amazing about Jesus, because I know some of you are so nervous right now. Jesus never compromised. Jesus never let go of, he was holy, perfect righteousness in a body. But if you think that Jesus wouldn't show up today in our cultural context, which looks different than the first century and not be absolutely crucified on social media, like you, we need to let go of all of those things about what people are gonna think, what people are gonna say. We need to stop doing things where we go, well, I don't agree with everything, but who do you agree with everybody 100% on anything? Just stop saying that. That's the language of the insecure. Just be their friend. Stop building walls. Let somebody misunderstand you. It's okay. You're gonna be all right. And listen, here's where we get this thinking from, is it, it dates all the way back to the first century where, where God set up the nation of Israel as a separate people, a set apart people in order to reveal to the world, this is what it looks like for God to have a relationship with humanity. And so God, for that season of time in the Old Testament, they had to be separate away from idol worship, away from idolatry so that God could birth what he wanted to birth to the generations. And so holiness for them meant set apart. We have to be separate from everybody in culture. But I'm telling you, when Jesus died on the cross and said, it is finished and walked out of a grave alive on that cross, the curtain in the Holy of Holies, which meant everybody's got to stay out. Only the high priest could come in. This is the epicenter of the holiness of God. Everything is separate. I'm telling you, that was a dramatic moment on the cross where Jesus dies and the curtain of the temple in the Holy of Holies was torn from top to bottom. And the indicator was love is about to invade. Love is about to advance. Every wall, every curtain is going to be torn down and holiness is set apart. It's set apart to this kingdom thinking and to the love of Jesus. But now you're not to be separate from culture and separate from people and create categories. And there is no holy of holies because now the temple is in you. You are invaded by the Holy Spirit to go. And so now it is a whole new game and holiness is set apart to be light where it's dark. You need to invade the darkest places set apart with the love of Jesus. So where you find the holiest people are fighting injustice, helping single moms in the messiness of somebody's addiction, meeting somebody in a jail, walking with them out of a strip club, being misunderstood because nobody understands why you're at their dinner table, changing the diapers of babies right now and tearing away barriers so people like Dan can come to know Jesus and have his eternity altered forever, not set apart where you're posting things and giving your opinion, but you never seem to get your hands dirty. Holiness is I'm set apart to be light where it's dark because that's what 
what Jesus has ushered in. There is a new application of holiness. And it's what Paul meant when he said that God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's sins against them. So we shouldn't either. And he's committed to us the message of reconciliation. And so Jesus is like, yeah, I'm going to be the guest of a sinner. And so verse 10, for the son of man, this is a mission statement. He came to seek, it's aggressive, it's not passive. He came to seek and to save those who know that they're lost. So last thing I wanna tell you is I think we just need to choose the right fight. A few weeks ago, that's probably a few months ago. I lose track of time with toddlers. It's like there were two, now there are four. And I was coming down the stairs, and you know, you you hear that um, that noise in your house in the middle of the night, and you're half asleep. So you're just you're grabbing something and walking downstairs. I don't know what you think you're gonna do, what I think I'm gonna do, but you're just charging toward whatever. And so I get down to the bottom of my stairs, and I realize I have a plunger in my hand. So I'm gonna plunge the guy's face to death. Um. But it ended up being nothing. But, but you know that, like, that instinct of like, protection, like protect your family. Like there's this thing, this adrenaline thing that happens in you. And that protection comes out of fear. And this is really how the human body is wired. And ultimately it leads to anger, that, that anger is the, is the response to a perceived threat. That's where all your anger comes from. And, and here's the thing. I, I think in culture, I think as we look at people, I think we're operating from a protection mindset, and what happens is in a protection mindset, because the scripture says that we need to renew our mind to think right and think differently, that protection ultimately is going to originate out of fear and it will lead to anger. And so we're protecting our values and, and some of that's appropriate. We're, we're protecting our way of life. We're protecting what we need to take back in society and culture. And, and I just want to tell you this, and, and there, there's some complicated things that I'm not discussing today. I'm just, I, I'm just telling you this. The authority of the scripture, read the life of Jesus. Our primary goal has not been to protect culture. Our primary goal is not a protection mindset where we get on the defensive and we're in a place where it, it comes out of fear. And ultimately, I'm telling you, it's inevitable. It leads to anger with anybody who is not on your side. And so for a lot of us, the whole following Jesus thing has become synonymous with a political party or our view of marriage or what we need to take back socially or moralizing culture. And it was the same thing with Jesus. His disciples were like, hey, Jesus, when's the kingdom coming in? Jesus, when are you ushering in the kingdom? Kingdom. And Jesus is like, I'm ushering it in right now. Like, well, we don't have anybody on the ballot in Rome. We're marginalized. They're, they're taking and threatening everything that we value. Where, where is the kingdom coming in? What are we fighting for? And Jesus says, it is an upside down kingdom. By this, the world is gonna know. By this, the world is gonna change. Mercy is gonna lead the way. And you should engage and you should have conversation and you should be involved and you should disagree with people. But it's how you disagree with people that means everything because your primary goal when you breathe your last breath is not what you did on a ballot or not how you changed something in the West. I'm doing something global, generationally to the world. I want you to lead people to love and follow Jesus. And so stop fighting against people who are on the other side and fight for them. You don't have the same sexual orientation as me. I just want you to know I'm fighting for you. 
because Jesus came to seek and to save the lost and that's why I'm here. And you don't have the same political views as me and we can have conversations because we're good friends, but I just want you to know I love you and I am fighting for you. You don't believe anything I believe. We don't agree on anything. You make me nervous. I don't understand your lifestyle, that there's so many things that are just dysfunctional. I just want you to know because we're all dead and need brought back to life. I'm no better than you. I've just encountered Jesus. I am fighting for you. We need to get back a mindset where we are not fighting against people. We are fighting for people. And I'm not making political statements and I'm not wading into the deep waters of very complicated stuff. I'm just telling you, we gotta change the conversation. So before we talk about shipping all the immigrants out, we at least need to have a conversation about how we love them. Before we try to change our views and moralize our society, we at least need to stop and have a conversation of how can I love you? How can I speak well of you? Even if you're antagonistic towards me, I just want you to know like Jesus, I am for you because you are made in his image and everybody spends forever somewhere and people are dying without Jesus. And Jesus came to seek and to save the law. So I'm going to fight for people. I'm going to fight for love. I'm going to seek. I'm going to save those who don't know him. So as we close, if I offended you, that's fine. I I just want to ask you this question. What are you so afraid of? What are you so afraid of? And you know, at the end of the day, what's really interesting is Zacchaeus did end up changing. Not because he got seven more steps, because he met Jesus. And Jesus changed everything. Jesus is the guy that would touch the leper. And rather than the leper making Jesus unclean, Jesus would make the leper clean. Perfect love, it drives out all fear. I've said this before, but either your fear is gonna drive out love or Jesus' perfect love is gonna start to drive out fear in our lives, in our churches, in how we view the world and how we view people. And I'm just telling you, I think, God, I think we need our faith back. I think we are so void of vision. We serve, guys, we serve a God of resurrection. So what walls, what walls do you need to tear down? And you just start with who's around you. There's somebody around you right now and you won't move in their direction. And it's as silly as they have a different political view than you and you can't have a conversation with them. It's somebody in your neighborhood. It's somebody three cubicles down. It's somebody across the street. And I'm telling you, you begin to tear down walls there. You will be shocked at how it begins to change your categories and your thinking for all those out there. And so listen, you you can be mad at me right now. You can hate me right now. You can utter stuff under your breath right now. I'm fine with that. I'm just telling you, why don't you try it? Why don't you just do it? Why, why don't you just move in the direction of some of those people? Because here's what we know, we've said this before, when the church has no authority and influence in culture, the church is perfectly positioned to influence culture with the name and the message of Jesus. Because we know that we are the light of the world and we are a city on a hill. So I wanna say this to you as we close, there are people around you and they need you to fight for them. Let's not be afraid. Let's let love drive out fear. Last thing, I wanna tell some of you this real quick. 
you have somebody close to you and they are so far in your mind, they are so far from Jesus. Jesus can save, Jesus can rescue, Jesus can invade a human heart, Jesus can lead them to a place to place their faith and trust in him. The scripture says his arm is not too short to save. And for some of you today, I wanna be the faith that you don't have. They can turn to Jesus. Do not stop praying. Do not stop loving them. Do not stop inviting the prodigal home. Do not give up. Jesus can bring any dead heart back to life. All right, so I gotta end with this. And they always tell me to don't let people know how far um, we're over, but we're over and you know that, and this is gonna create chaos. So I apologize. A friend of mine, let's see if I can get through this. Um, a friend of mine a few years ago, I got to know him through some crazy circumstances. And you talk about somebody who's nothing like you. His name was Robert. And he was a, a cartoon illustrator for Penthouse Magazine. I don't even know if that's still around or not, but that's what he did. He drew cartoons for this magazine. And um, he got involved in a DUI, which honestly, I, I'm not, I wasn't angry at him, but it makes me angry like endanger so many people. And, but I, I just got to, to know Robert and he was walking through that. And, um, and then I'll never forget the, the call that we got, um, that he was in the hospital and, and he had attempted suicide. And so we went to the hospital and um, unfortunately I've been in a lot of those rooms, psych wards, you name it. And um, normally it's an, you know, it's an overdose and took too many pills. He had, he had tried to cut himself up. I don't know a single thing that we agreed on. I gotta get it together, but we, we had a, a conversation. I just remember him saying, saying this. He's like, I've, I don't feel like I've ever had a friend. And I feel like I have no hope. In all the categories out here, I saw them all different in that moment when I stared across the table with Robert. This guy who's made in the image of God. And um, we walked through some crazy stuff and every story doesn't end this way, but he ended up putting his faith and trust in Jesus to save him. But my point is just this, people are dying without Jesus and they are all around us and they are all around you. And so if I can bother you and if I can make you uncomfortable and if you can come back to this seven months from now, because you're angry in this moment, I will do it all day long. Because we have to stop perpetuating the filtered view of Jesus that came to take your side. He came to take over. And so let's be that generation of people that by this, every political, every racial, every sexual orientation, socioeconomic barrier comes tumbling down because 
of Jesus. And so in this moment, if there is somebody that you're praying for that in your mind is far from Jesus and we need to have the faith together to believe that Jesus can change their heart, I want you to stand on their behalf right now in this moment. There's somebody I'm praying for. There's somebody that's far down the road. And in this moment, we are speaking life and hope that Jesus can save them and Jesus can rescue them. And there is nobody who is too dead and too lost that Jesus cannot find. And then for others of you, there are some walls and some barriers that need to be torn down. And maybe in this moment, you're not even ready to do it. And so you just need more of the love of Jesus. Would you just stand up right now if that's you? There's a barrier. There's a person I need to move in the direction of. There's somebody I need to have a conversation with. Jesus, we thank you for your grace. Thank you for what you're doing in this place. God, I pray in this moment for a lot of us, you would give us our faith and vision back. What seemed in the first century so, so absolutely insane, sent generational dividing walls tumbling down and it changed the world and it sent Rome to its knees and it can change the world again. I pray for those who are praying for somebody right now that they would not stop praying and they would not stop pleading and they would not stop believing and that you would save and you would rescue them by the power of your spirit. And God, I pray for one thing as we leave today for this place, for the thousands who will listen to this, that God, we would take the baton to seek and to save the lost just like Jesus. And I make the commitment even right now, personally, I will go wherever you want me to go. I will walk into whatever you want me to walk into. I will give up whatever reputation in light of the compassion that you have shown to me. And I pray even in our city, even among the spheres of influence that you've placed around me, that revival would happen and that people would encounter our savior Jesus. And so I just pray all of this in your incredible name, the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed this message, would you do us a favor and rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher? You can actually now listen to us on Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. Basically, this just helps us get the message of Jesus out to more people. And the other thing I would say is, we would love for you to join us at one of our gatherings. One of the things we work really hard at is to create a safe place for people to be able to ask questions, to be able to investigate and grow in their faith if they're longtime followers of Jesus. And one of the things that we say a lot is regardless of what background you're coming from, you can belong here before you believe. And so if you want more information about our church, our location, service times, just go to our website at centerpointfl.org.